then you had Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby. Mm-hmm. And when they would always split up, you would you would know Fred and Daphne had a thing, although they never openly said it, but they had a thing because they would always go together. I thought they were. Hello, well, guys. How are you doing? Hey, good. Happy good. Friday. Enjoying this beer. What are you Having drinking? Guinness Drought with coffee. I am having a local beer, a Santa Fe Brewery Pepe Loco. It's a Mexican style lager. I love the the wrestler's mask. Yeah, it's pretty cool. All their what cans. Was that dude that he made a lot of films back in the seventies. Oh, Santo. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one with the white mask. Yeah, the Mexican yeah, that's legend. Classic. That's a yeah. legend. That's a He's legend. legend. They're like this, like seventies, like exploitation, or like it was like the. It was like the black exploitation films had like Black Belt Jones, yeah, Superfly, and then he was the Mexican like. He's like our Mexican the, superhero. Yeah, he was, he'll kick people's asses so in many hotel films. rooms with a business suit and his mask on. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty it's cool. Like, and he had he had like a suit and then a cape. Yeah, like he would wear a cape. He's like to the cape. rescue. Yeah, he was like the, the Mexican <laughs> version of Superman. Yeah, yeah, this totally. is what we're talking about. It has a logo, a mask. Wrestlers Where did all that sort of start, like the mask thing for wrestlers? I'm very curious. It seems to be like a Mexican tradition. It's a Mexican tradition. I am 100% unaware unaware on why. I just know it's an honor thing. Yeah, like totally. It's it's like that mask is like, it's iconic in Mexico. It's not to like hide an identity. It's an honor thing. So like the end goal of a wrestling match is to remove the mask from from the the guy. Oh, like, interesting. Well, it's like what? Well, um, I see. It's like it's an unmasking. Yeah, and it's more like each wrestler is more of a franchise. I like to think because over yeah. the years, it's like a beautiful tradition where the like the dead started back in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, and then it was followed by the sun. By the like, the sun. there's this um really cool one that's called Mascara Sagrada that was my favorite one he was like this kind of like Power Ranger looking wrestler and then he had Mascarita Sagrada which was I wouldn't think it was his son or maybe maybe he was a little people like a little guy like a a dwarf but you know it's like it's been years upon years upon years and I might be wrong but these wrestlers are still around yeah right. Yeah, I like I I remember that mask you had. I had I had. It was pretty cool. I had the other. He had the like. I had a collection. You could go like, um, to like the local market, and they had like a big selection of like all the wrestlers. All the wrestlers masks. That's cool. And like, you would know, like, it was like a collection, like a collectible. You're like, oh my god, it's this wrestler's mask. Right, right, right. right. It's like they have one mask. They use for like lifetime. It's right, like it's like brand. a soccer team their, with their, their, their jersey. Yeah. It's yeah, like it's their, their jersey, jersey. Yeah. and it was pretty cool because I remember all the Halloween. Did you like? I guess like you didn't really do Halloween, or did you in Chihuahua? No, we don't. We didn't really do don't it. Really that do. was like like that. I, would be I heard perfect Halloween costume. I heard Go nowadays this sick. That'd be the perfect Halloween costume right for now. here for here yeah. in New Mexico. for here in the U.S. Yeah, you know you. You dress as your favorite Mexican wrestler in, in Mexico, it's like, you're lame. Like, you want to have... The thing about Mexico nowadays, it's like, we're so attached to American pop culture. 
So yeah. whatever's trending here, you want to do it over it's, there. Yeah, right. Like you are. Let's see. Now that Halloween came out, you know this last Halloween, right. everyone wanted to be Michael Myers. <laughs> That's same thing, same thing. Or or when um, Suicide Squad came out, and you know Harley Quinn, yeah. the new Margot Robbie, yeah, Harley Quinn. Every Squad. every girl wanted to be that here. The same applied down to Mexico. Like every cosplay, if it was a Halloween party, you'd have like ten, twenty yeah. Harley Quinns at, sitting there. So it's not cool to not fit in, yeah. right? So that's true. I say like. Having a Mexican wrestler, like attire here for, for a Halloween party in the U.S. is not just original, but it's like legendary. Like yeah. right, right. Because where the fuck do you get it's that a here? reference to the to the culture? Yeah, and to the Mexican culture. It's like they influenced this culture. This was part of Mexico, but it's something that didn't translate over. And to get and your yeah. hands on it. Is, yeah, is, there's a Netflix documentary about these guys, about um, like Mexican, Mexican wrestlers? wrestlers. Yeah, I can't oh, remember yeah. the name of it, but I remember coming across it. It might have been one wrestler in particular, but um, but it, it, I remember seeing it. Yeah. I'm seeing that. I didn't watch it. My parents took me to a wrestling match. I've never an original um, live triple A because um, that's what the wrestling league is in Mexico it's like the WWE here in fact I think in some cases in sometimes like they've exported they like, and imported wrestlers you know like right, right kind of interesting like, yeah so they took me to that and it was hilarious because we were sitting there and we see the wrestling you know it's all act mm-hmm. but it's still interesting how like they fly over and like they land on people. It's, more, it's like a circus, right? They oh, launched. Yeah, they launched. They launched one of the cool. midgets into the crowd, dude, and he landed like a couple freaking rows in front of me. It was it was hilarious. It's like catching the ball at a baseball game. <laughs> like catching <laughs> catching the little guy. That's cute. that's hilarious. And that's where I got my first mask, actually. That's, wow. that's, oh, I thought you got it from like a market or something. No, I didn't even know no, that you sir. went to a restaurant. No, I was sir. probably not that's even cool. born yet. <laughs> oh no, no, no! I was, I, I was, was four or five. Yeah, I was, I was not a even guy. Like I mean, it mainly was because Dad thought it would be a cool idea to go see because it's like they were going to be there in Chihuahua. So it's like yeah, and it's it's like and you look he, at it now; it's a one in a time opportunity. It's like this because that you see you this in see the, you see this in television, you see this in TV. Oh look, the Lucha Libre is on, right? Right. And when they tell you, hey, guess what? They're coming to our convention center. Get your tickets now. It's like holy. Crap. And this is before, like, I mean, yeah. This if it was hard enough, if it's hard enough to get tickets on internet down in mm-hmm. Mexico right now, imagine back then, like, you'd have to. Like, this was like the nineties. Well, I remember. It is. It is late nineties. It, it was. Like, it was 97, 98. Oh, God, guys. I remember buying tickets for concerts back in the No, but you, you would have, have to go so, Well, you had to go. I remember getting tickets for rock concerts. You had to go to the local, it was like a department store. It would be like going to Dillard's. Right. Oh, okay. And there was like a will call. It was like, like this, like, in the back office one of these department stores like a yeah. J.C. Penney or Dillard's I didn't even know they're selling them right <laughs> they have this like little spot in the back 
in the admin section of the store where you buy tickets. It was like that was their ticket master. That was their reseller, yeah. And I remember standing in line there getting tickets. And through. you wouldn't know, like, they're you know, selling like them. Black and Sabbath and Judas Priest, you know, all the, the hot bands at the time at, at the Philadelphia Spectrum. Yeah. Which is and getting them at the door was tough. It was very hard. You, you, wouldn't, you didn't want to get them at the door because there were very few seats left. So Together, you know, sure good seats. Yeah, yeah, you wanted to get them ahead. The good seats would always go to retailers. Right. Yeah, you wanted to go get them. You know, weeks ahead. And then you you wouldn't even know they were selling them there, like yeah, unless someone told was on the you, radio. You'd have to like, ask around, ask your buddies, and they'd hey, say go to such so and so, or you could call this number right. for information. It's like word um, of mouth. Like, you look it up in the phone book under like tickets, you know, things like that. They ticket outlets. Then they started making, they had these ticket outlets that were standalones. It's crazy. Like Ticketmaster. Now that you mentioned all that. school freaking marketing. Networking. That's we used to get Eagles tickets, I remember, just from the guy at the sub shop. Because guys yeah. would have, people would have season tickets, like business owners would buy season tickets for sports sporting events. And they'd have two or three seats. They'd, I mean, sometimes they'd have a whole row, right? And they would sell them to people, for a lot. the customers. You want to go buy? Because they didn't go to every game, and they certainly, or if they did, they had like several seats, and so they would sell them or gift them to their employees or whatever. So there was like a hoagie shop, and it wasn't or go to buy Eagles tickets back in the for forty dollars. It, it wasn't wow. so strict <laughs> back in the day because now, like every ticket needs to be named. Yeah, like now your name has hard. to be on the ticket. Oh, and, yeah. that's, and that's like, to avoid identity. resellers because, like, and all that stuff. But then again, SeatGeek is a reseller. Yes, it is a like reseller. Master but we're talking about people reselling. Through. Yeah, yeah these were business owners because businesses would buy. Were they were buy. licensed owners. They were right. licensed resellers. Well, that was before PSLs, too. Yeah, that's true. This is before now. That That's a whole different thing. That came later. Um, literally, this people would just buy a whole row because you could buy the seats, right, and, and be on a yearly plan, season ticket plan, and your business paid for it. You could divvy them out in any way you saw fit. Yeah. Sometimes they were empty. I remember going to games and the seats were paid, bought and paid for, but there was nobody sitting there. Right. It was a sold out. Because yeah, it's a business. You sold know. out game, but there was nobody next to me because you knew like. Like this whole row belonged to this business, and so sometimes you see people, sometimes you. Wouldn't. It's a business. It's yeah. a business. Oh, that's cool. It and, didn't matter. And then agencies came along because that's then what they happened. Got PSLs, and then, yeah. and then now it's a totally different ball game. Because you could still do that with vacation packages, and right. you could do that with that's true with time hotels, shares, hotels, time shares, and stuff. Yeah. Like, you can just get your travel agency license and place a bid at, at a hotel in Las Vegas, like Caesar's Palace or something, and say, hey, I want to buy the entire thing. fifth floor. What's the best deal you can give me? Right. Um, like, okay, I'll give it to you for 50 bucks a night. Yeah. And you go to Trivago, or you go to um, Priceline or something, and you buy their, their you book their the room for the night and it's 150 200 That's bucks and the thing is it's like 
these resellers, these agencies only paid 50 bucks from. Wow. And it's interesting. And I found that out a couple months ago when we went to Vegas because I bought tickets from this place on Trivago that outsourced the tickets to Mexico. It was a Mexican travel agency. So they were selling them in pesos. Obviously, their profit was a little bit, you know, less because the conversion the conversion and all that so i found them for like 60 70 bucks a night on a weekend right and i said okay fine i'm gonna buy these tickets for some reason my card didn't get run and i called the hotel and i said hey what happened they said oh you didn't buy the tickets from us i said well can i get i mean you didn't get the rooms from us i said okay well can i book a room with you guys they said no we're completely booked we're sold out. We don't have any rooms available. But then you call the travel agency and the agency says, oh, yeah, there's like 20 rooms available. How many do you need? Wow. So, yeah, they have some. Like, so the hotel never loses. So the hotel right. never loses. That's, like They're paid easy. for whether they're someone paid for them or not. Exactly. They have them for people last minute or special you know, VIPs or whatever. Yeah. And no, and you can't even can't even do that. Like, you can't walk up to a hotel in Las Vegas and say, hey, I need a room for the night. It's super rare that they'll give you a room for the night. I'm on sure a, on, a, on a nice hotel. Yeah. yeah, on a nice hotel. It's kind of rare because the majority of the rooms... They're already sold. They're so. already sold to an agency for a oh, fraction of the cost. Okay, that makes sense. Which are essentially the resellers. Right. That makes sense on why the price it's, it's is It's the like, art it's the old art ancient art of flipping for profit. Right, right. It, that makes sense like why the price fluctuates too. Because let's say they get um I don't know, like the whole fifth floor, like you said, for one weekend and they know there's gonna be like a big artist pres- like performing or like there's going to be a big game at their stadium mm-hmm. so that's going to bring a lot of tourists to the town mm-hmm. that's when the prices are going to be a lot more than right they can jack them up for, uh, and the weekend we went was canelo's fight the oh, fight against plants everything so. was so everything expensive. Was sold out everything, everything was, was crazy super expensive. expensive it was it was just insane i mean the entire strip was literally a mexican party wow it was pretty cool, That's but cool. it was it, it was, was really like Mexicans expensive. seem to get everywhere for for like sporting events, no matter where they are in the world. We support. You all find a way to get there. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I have no idea, but that's true. That, that is, is very true. true. It is true. It's like know, how, they like the World Cup was. Where was it last time? Last Russia. Time? Russia, right? And so they like like Mexicans took over Russia. We took over Russia. <laughs> there was a tequila so maybe, shortage. Maybe. No. I was when I was a kid. Is that like Pokemon? It's like Chinese cartoon, no? Japanese Japanese cartoons. Yeah, there was actually a couple of really good movies. Well, Dragon Ball, that's back in the day. (laughs) Well, Tom's way before Dragon Ball. Yeah, I know, but I'm sure, like, you know about it, right? Dragon Ball. Tom's more about He-Man. What's a cartoon that you watched when you were... Thundercats? No, go way back. You go way back. Ultraman. 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 Johnny Sacco and his flying grandma. Yes. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, what else? What else was there back in the day? Yeah, Johnny Sacco, Ultraman. Those were the Japanese superhero Pink films Panther. before 
and then uh, like there was like all kinds of like stuff that was Tom and Jerry but a lot of it was reruns like Mooney Tunes Tom and Jerry Tom and Jerry is amazing um, though what was running at the time I was actively watching you know back in the 70s was like the, the old Incredible Hulk with Bill Bixby <laughs> remember yeah. that and like the Night Stalker which was a prelude to like the X-Files which never heard of it. It was 90s still I think that's you probably wouldn't remember that either um, what else was running back then like Happy Days Happy Days that shit what was shit. Happy Days though Happy Days with you know the Fonz, a oh okay yeah Henry 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 Winkler, yeah that was running in the seventies. Mm-hmm. I mean there was a lot of reruns too, like from the fifties and sixties, like some of the old Tom and Jerry Looney Tunes things like that were made in the sixties, fifties mm-hmm. and sixties. Were you in the era of Pink Panther? Yeah, that some of that that had. They were making those films when I was very young, and then up until I was you know a teenager. Mm-hmm. Peter Sellers was making them. It was a lot like Pink Panther and then well, Chuck Jones. Chuck Jones. Chuck, what's the little blue guys? Um, Smurfs. Oh, uh, no, that was so that, at that point. That's I was, 80s. That's, Is 80s. that 80s? That's 80s. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I was were, too old for that kind of stuff. You're already like playing hockey outside. Yeah, I was drinking and going to parties. And <laughs> you're already getting in the military. Yeah, so was, yeah, at that point, I was done with cartoons and most most tv because i wasn't really watching a big part of the 80s i just didn't watch shit at all what's that tv show where i watched movies mescalito oh hr puffin stuff yeah hr puffin now that again was that ran in the late 60s so it was very young but i remember some of that there were reruns in the, in the mid 70s yeah he was actually i think i don't know he's supposed to be a dragon i think but it totally looks more like a mescalito. Like a mescalito. But it was in a lot of reference to fucking Drugs. psychedelics. Yeah. HR Puffin stuff was can't do a little because oh, you can't get enough. <laughs> it was about marijuana. Makes smoking, sense. Smoking weed. And there are all these drug references. And he looked like, you know, he could be like some kind of a mushroom god or mescaline mescal- mm-hmm. god or paleo mm-hmm. god. Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo? No, I remember that. Really... Again, they were. <laughs> They were making them, <laughs> but most of them had been made. So what I was watching then in the 70s were reruns still. New Scooby-Doo is nothing like not original like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. It is Shaggy was stoned high, all the high time. reference to them being, you know, stoned. Mm-hmm. I mean, to Shaggy a point where you like, are yeah, eating yeah. Scooby snacks, like which are dog treats oh, and talking to your dog, veggies, yeah. you know. <laughs> No, and then around the way he would act is just like so. <coughs> bless, you. bless yourself. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a total shift. I mean, a lot of those shows in the early seventies had a lot of drug references, and I think that the was because at the time the executives didn't understand because a lot of the young well, it was writers it was, it was, were hippies. And they were making all these, and burying these references, they were making these references. And no one cared. No one And noticed. the executives were too fucking square to realize what was going on. That's so cool. 
And like, so they were able to to to. They were rebels, dude. <laughs> yeah, thread in all these references, and it was like later they, oh shit, now they're like we live this on TV. Yeah. yeah. So there was a boomer. Boomers were young, up and coming professionals back then, right? You know, they were they were the the youth, the creative youth doing all this <laughs> back then and subverting the uh, the That's authority. So cool. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff was cool. I mean, I grew and I was a young kid growing up with all that. So, yeah. but you don't get these references as a kid. You don't. Know, you don't. I was watching. I no it's, it's it's these hidden references. But by the time you. I was, you know, old enough to realize what right marijuana. But was. it's these hidden references to attract parents into I, watching. We were watching too. SpongeBob the other day. <laughs> yeah, and we were catching so many like. So many stuff like that. I was like, yeah. I can't believe I watched this when I was. Well, now it is. Yeah, it's like old. it's all like what out in the open. But I mean, it is and it isn't. I think it's like things are so no, but, carefully constructed. But what I what I what I've heard is that they've been doing that to cartoons. They add like little subtle, yeah, like dark jokes and little subtle. Adult jokes and like adult references that a kid oh, won't Disney understand does all the time. Just Disney so, so the parent can bear sitting through them while the kid is watching, because yeah, I don't know. Like some people only had one TV growing up, just their living room TV, and and the kid wants to watch this, and it's like little treats for and the you parents didn't, you didn't to say, have "Hang in there, dads," or "Hang in there, moms." We're almost done with this show. But here's something, there's a little bit of entertainment for you while your little rascal finishes the show. Right. So it's like it, little yeah. little pieces oh, to... Oh, there's always that to appeal to adults. But then there's all these little, little hidden messages that are that are and sometimes sexual or drug references. Remember there was one Disney film that had an LSD molecule as a oh, yeah. bookshelf. I mean, it was... It was, um, oh. it was uh, House of Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> It was House of Mickey. Yeah, it's it's literally the uh, it's the molecule of LSD. That's so cool. It's like and it's a TV show that my daughter watches. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's hilarious. We were watching SpongeBob and they have some pretty like dark jokes. Yeah, that a kid is SpongeBob definitely. The kid is watching it. Here's the joke. Doesn't even know what the hell's happening. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, they don't even laugh because they don't get it's a joke. They don't even pay attention. So, this is all conditioning. Yeah, it just kind of like passes through their mind. And then all of that were like cracking up because of the dark jokes. I was like, how do they. But I think you're right. Maybe it is for the adults sitting there watching it along with the kid. They have to have something to keep the parents engaged. Yeah. (laughs) It's because, yeah. That's smart. Mm-hmm. It is smart, but Scooby Doo was like straight up like. Oh my god! Scooby Doo was, you know, you really had straightforward. You had two very hot girls, Daphne and Velma. And then you had Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby. Mm-hmm. And when they would always split up, you would you would know Fred and Daphne had a thing, although they never openly said it. But they had a thing because they would always go together. I thought they were husband and wife. No, I mean they can't because they're kids. They're supposedly teenagers oh, or kids. Right. Yeah, but they were they were a love interest. 
Oh, yeah, no, and it's like, <clears throat> they always, apparently was giving Daphne, or what's her old turn? Daphne. Daphne? Yeah. No, that's the one with the glasses. No, that's Velma. That's Velma? Velma had the glasses and the turtleneck, maybe. Oh, yeah, the orange yeah, turtleneck. Yeah. It's things we remember, right? Yeah. Interesting. And Shaggy, had, what did he have, a green t-shirt? And brown. And brown bottom pants. Yeah. yeah. So the guy had a white shirt with blue jeans, right? He had like the and little, an orange, handkerchief. like a little yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget what they call that. And Daphne was always wearing purple because oh, she was always like, it's like the girly girl, the diva, right? Yeah, now, they the were such beatniks, actually. This other guy was they weren't even boy. hippies; they were beatniks. Well, only Shaggy was the hippie. Well, no, was he a wasn't nerd. even a hippie. There was beatnik. Because that actually, the beatnik culture predates the hippie culture. Okay. Well, yeah. And that... some, like Scooby-Doo is a beatnik phrase. And oh. it's based on scat. Scat is a language that the African-American jazz musicians came up with. And it's something that you see in the music, jazz music. And it's like a vocal. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's just... Um, it's kind of like its own language. And people sing in scat. Mm-hmm. And Scooby-Doo is definitely a, it's a scat phrase. Scooby-Doo. And the beatniks kind of adopted that. And they were the ones, they had the goatees and the braids. Oh, so they were a more sophisticated version of a hippie. And they, like, they read a lot. Um... They were very, they were intellectuals. Well, Shaggy was stupid as hell. Well, Shaggy was kind of a dopey beatnik. <laughs> he was already, he was burnt. He but was they did smoke burnt. a lot he of was marijuana. Super they used LSD. And the they, references on why they're always hungry. Like, yeah, always hungry. They're always eating. So mellow. So but like it was different. Like, like the, the munchies, man. The hippie culture kind of evolved out of that. But it was a lot more, the hippie culture was a lot more wanton and then just experimental and you know i think they, they took things in in a variety excuse yeah. me directions and it was a little wilder right a little more a little more unpredictable whereas the beatniks were a little more reserved more focused but um like hippies were basically known for being sort of out of control but the okay. um, it's all kind of the same thing at the root there. But, um, Shaggy, I guess, would be kind of like yeah, sort of a, an amalgam of the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he was kind of kind of sloppy, and but also that whole thing was the idea of grow even growing your hair over your ears was pretty radical. And a lot of that movement came out of post-World War II. You know, the baby boomers mm-hmm. was the first generation in this country's history where the youth had a quality of life, unlike their parents, grandparents. Because up to that point, life was incredibly difficult for every generation. Mm-hmm. Going back, you know, hundreds of years, right? There was no stability um, there were wars, um, <clears throat> whether they be like like domestic wars, like 
wars with indigenous people, civil war. Then we had world wars. Right. And we weren't a superpower yet. So this, we had a struggling economy. We had an industrial um, revolution. <clears throat> and that laid the seeds for the economic prosperity that we grew into. But that had to be built, right? And it was very difficult. Um, we still, you know, people, although African Americans were free, they weren't still hadn't achieved any kind of status as first class citizens yet. Women hadn't. I mean, up until like the fifties, life was incredibly difficult for most people. Yeah, whether you're white or black, doesn't matter. <clears throat> so that generation that grew up in the fifties was the first time that they actually had a standard of living that was relatively comfortable. Mm -hmm. And they realized, in a sense, like, it was like the domestic, it was like a domestication or a taming of, of, of our youth, of, of the human spirit, and they rejected it. <laughs> in part because there was nothing to fight for anymore. Right. It's like we had achieved our status as a, as a successful like civilization, right? We achieved yeah. first world status when the kids were bored. So they had to rebel against something because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's in our nature to want to break out of this, this, this sort of, and, and we were becoming sort of cookie cutter. You know, we were, the suburbs were being developed and every houses looked the same and everything was being, you had mass production and everything was just kind of, things were cheaper as a result of that, but everything was the same. And people were like, prior to that, everything was different. Sounds a lot like the snowflake culture. Right. That was basically, and they rejected it though. And that's what led to these, like these, these movements, like the beatnik movement, the movement, rebel without a cause, you know, the James Dean film, the very famous James Dean film was based on, uh, the work of somebody who studied this phenomenon in American youth, like, like, so kids were, you know, being different than their parents growing their hair a little longer, not shaving, you know, taking, people were taking intoxicants already. They were already doing that. Not everywhere, but, I mean, you could buy weed still. Weed was legal. Well, it was legal. It's all legal. It wasn't. It wasn't prohibited. Yeah, nothing was. Yeah, that's when it reached prohibition status in the early seventies. But it was just kind of this radical departure from like this sort of. It's interesting because we worked so hard as a civilization to create, in a sense, a safe space for our youth to grow up in, mm -hmm. to create um, this sort of consistency. Yeah that we figure we could thrive in because people were safe and and when you're safe i guess you know the idea was or the thinking was that you would thrive right but i think what we realize now is you need a little bit of a challenge you can't make things too easy and i think people things were getting too easy coming too easy and the generations is the the young generation was like wait a minute you know, people were becoming insular. And there obviously were still um, populations that weren't benefiting as much, like African Americans and women and 
other minorities still weren't benefiting yet mm -hmm. the way white Americans were. White and, male Americans? Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting, they were, you know, I guess on some level sensed this and then they, there was a pushback and that became the counterculture. Yeah. Instead of like Shaggy's, like this dude with, you know, he literally is, he's got, he got a beard and he's I got always had like, hair over his ears. I always had a feeling he was the son of rich parents. I don't know if they ever disclosed who he was, but well, that, I feel like they were all... This is the Sons thing. Sons of rich parents. Yeah. These were all the children of at least middle class parents. Because they had to be rich because they were kids. They have Volkswagen bus. They travel all over and they don't work. They don't do anything. But yet somehow <clears throat> always so have nice made. things. Yeah. And obviously so. they could have been. There was a lot of that, right? And there still is. Trust funders, right? But a lot of this was actually a middle class uprising. Yeah. More so than a wealth, upper class uprising. I think for the, the upper class, they, they tended to want to maintain their status. And there was a certain look mm -hmm. you had to sustain and maintain. And they did that. They did. Yeah, they didn't rebel. Here. Very, some, some did, but very few were uh, rejected or rebelled. Against that, because it's just the way things always were for their families, the way things were. But a lot of them did, some of them did. But most of it, the majority of the counterculture were middle class kids, middle class Yeah, parents. that's true, because like higher class. There's just certain kids, things, you know, otherwise you'd get disowned. And I mean, I'm sure it happened. Yeah. There were a few. Yeah. A few um, rebel kids. Yeah, there's a few examples of that. More but, than a few, but, but the majority of it was middle class. Yeah, I, I imagine like high class back in the day, like the son was working at the father's business since right. a really young age, a, 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 just so they can like start taking an image care of it, status, and then they can keep their wealth yeah. and all yeah, that. Yeah, you went to the right colleges and you, whatever it is you chose to do with your life. It's it not like nowadays. in a sense predetermined, and that was something that it certainly didn't suck. So why why why? And you yeah. always had these families who've always lived this way. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's interesting, the middle class, like, like that struggle to, to create some normalcy and some consistency and stability, they're the kids who are like, you know what? I don't fucking want this. Yeah. And part because it was, there were so many of them. Baby boomers are a lot of them. It's the largest mass of humanity to move through history. And they were just like, there were so many of them, and it was just like this this group thing where they were just like, there's something basically wrong with them. <laughs> yeah. It's Isn't too, it's too fucking, it's, it's too engineered. Our existence is too engineered. We, need, you know, we want to be a little more creative about you know, how we live our lives. And so that led to the beatniks and the hippies and the counterculture. <clears throat> Interesting. And literally the way they looked, and you can look at some of the old films, some of the early Brando films, and James Dean, where they wore white t-shirts and black leather jackets. Yeah. And, and cool. blue jeans. You know, and the Chuck Taylor. Spiky hair. Where they wore black leather boots. And they, yeah, they, had, their, they had the, their hair slicked back. Or they had, and it was something and they, long, and they like, had 
beards or, or, or growth. And, and the little to... collar, like, standing up. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and always a pocket knife. Yeah, you saw that Indiana Jones film that was at the Crystal Skull, remember? Yeah. And so Shia LaBeouf's character was the rebel. He was, and then Harrison Ford, you know, Indiana Jones was the, the academic proper, and then here's his son, he's riding a motorcycle, yeah. and leather jacket, and he's, what's wrong with you, kid, you know? And that was where that started, that generation. Right. Because he had that look, you know? There's rebellion. That's cool. And that's where it started. Really and they had their language, like, hey, you, you know, the, it was a... Beat hey, language. you, boys. It was scat. Scooby-Doo is a scat phrase. Gotcha. Okay. So that's where all that came from. Yeah. Just born out of this interesting era of prosperity. So don't forget to follow us, like, and comment. Anything else, guys? No. Just have a safe and wonderful weekend, and we'll see you on the next episode. Ka-chow! Rebels, unite. <laughs> <laughs>